David Reiner, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at energy policies at the Festival of Ideas, the good, the bad and the ugly. Tell me how you came up with your two statements. I, I think I have an inclination towards ugly, and, and those are the policies that I picked. One is that... Uh, we, we focus more of our energy and effort on adaptation and even geoengineering rather than purely efforts to reduce uh, emissions of, of carbon dioxide. And then the other is that we actually need to focus on uh, an un- end-of-pipe solution, uh, carbon capture and storage, uh, as an alternative to just simply moving whole-scale, uh, whole cloth over to uh, renewable technologies uh, in the next uh, decade or two. All right, well, if we take statement three, we should support carbon dioxide capture and storage because the technology is essential for engaging China and the United States to take action on climate change. How did you come to that conclusion and that particular statement now? The biggest challenge is that China and the United States are by far the biggest emitters of carbon dioxide, and they are also the two powerhouses in terms of coal. China mines 3 billion tons of coal per year. The U.S. mines 1 billion tons of coal per year. Uh, Both countries are uh, very dedicated to a notion of energy security. Uh, That means promoting homegrown indigenous energy. To imagine that we are not going to use the literally, in the case of the United States, hundreds of years of coal reserves, or in the case of China, about 100 years of coal reserves, is is really, uh, unfortunately, not realistic. And so what we need to do is, is come up with energy policies that will allow these countries to continue burning coal and engage in an effort to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. And you're almost saying that's an equalization policy between the the West and a developing country, a huge developing country like China, in the the sense that it it won't jeopardize relationships and and it will be fair. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big challenges is just uh, forget economics, forget everything else. You just think politically. Um, If if you are in danger of uh, losing losing your job, losing the entire sector, the type of opposition that arises, and I think we saw that here in this country in the, in the United Kingdom with, with the disputes over coal mining, uh, will, be, will be incredibly painful and difficult. Um, so if there are something like five million odd coal miners in China, we need to have a strategy that, that says that they will have a job for, for many years to come. It may not be the, the, we might not think of these as the best sorts of jobs, but th- this is a major part of, of, of the Chinese economy. And what's not going to happen is that they're not going to be relying on cleaner natural gas because they, China doesn't have the resources there. And so, so for, for China to engage on an issue like chi- climate change, it is essential uh, that they have the ability to still make use of, of, of again, the, 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 the energy source in which they are richest, and that, that is coal. And, and then if we move on to your other statement. No matter how ambitious the actions to reduce global CO2 emissions, significant climate change is inevitable, and so more effort should be put on adaptation and geoengineering. Again, why that solution? Yeah, the issue here is not that we shouldn't be focusing on global efforts to reduce 
CO2 and other greenhouse gases. I mean, that, that is essential. That is something that is a project that we have as an international community for the, for the next century, really, but at least the next few decades where we'd like to see some serious action. The problem uh, is that, that it shouldn't be a zero-sum game. Uh, to date, we've focused almost all of our actions, all, all, almost all of our research and development funding on uh, dealing with reducing emissions, when in reality, the nature of climate change means that we will be facing increasing sea levels, uh, 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 rising temperatures uh, for not just decades but for centuries to come and we, we need to devote more and more serious effort both at, at the research and development level but also at, at the implementation level of dealing with uh, dealing with these challenges of adaptation and I would, I would argue probably more at the R&D level of geoengineering these ideas of really tinkering with the planet and really, we also looked, didn't we, at, at the sulfur dioxide emissions, uh, projected temperature change. These are acute problems that, that need solving now, that need a direction now to ensure we get the right policy in the future. Well, yes. I mean, historically, we've had the advantage that many of the environmental problems that we've had to work on have been difficult, but they've ultimately been tractable. So ozone depletion, we were able to phase out uh, you know, CFCs out of our aerosol cans. Uh, uh, sulfur dioxide, we were able to install scrubbers on power plants, move away from, from high sulfur fuels. C climate change is much more pervasive because the sources of these emissions are not just uh, from the energy mix, they're from uh, natural sources like landfills, they're from um, me methane from, from uh, livestock, uh, and 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 uh, rice paddies. So so the the challenge of climate change is much, much, much more serious, much deeper, uh, and any any solution that we're going to have um, will will inevitably be be much harder. And and again, more importantly, um, w what we're talking about, uh, even under the most aggressive policy, is reducing uh, levels, um, not below where they are today, but below where they might be. So things will get worse. What we don't want them to do is get much, much worse. So the, the, the real challenge is how do we deal in, in a world where the climate will continue uh, to, to become more challenging, where we'll have more extreme events to deal with. And, and finally, I know that um, in terms of the voting, they took votes on your propositions before, and they took votes on your propositions after. Um, you said you're, you were in favour of going towards the ugly rather than the good and the bad energy policies. But, but remarkably, um, you've got higher scores on both. Yes, uh, it is entertaining how, how the public reacts. And I, and I think uh, maybe as uh, an academic, I try and be a bit more detached. I, 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 I'm happy to deal with problems that I see as ugly, whereas I think maybe understandably the public would like maybe something that's clearer. And maybe they were, if, if they were convinced that there was uh, a kernel of, of uh, a heart of gold, as, as, as Stephen Littlechild referred to. Maybe if, if, if there was that sense of something positive, they voted for good rather than, rather than ugly. Well, congratulations, David Reiner. Um, from the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today at the Festival of Ideas, the Electricity Policy Research Group, Energy Policies, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Go and enjoy your drink. Thank you.